Hey guys, new episode of Wizards After Dark. We got a three-man pod today from Capital One Arena following the Wizards' 100-89 loss to the Heat. They were they were winning. The offense just went away late. They got 75 of their 89 points from either Beal, Napier, or uh, Davis Bertans. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And sitting in this many times mentioned jail cell of a room... Giant white bricks, and that's it. I feel like we could all just, we could vanish from this room and nobody would ever notice, wouldn't have anything. I don't know if anyone ever comes in here other than for NBA TV. To my left is Michael Lee. <laughs> hey, what's going on? I'm glad to be back. I haven't uh, been on since when? I don't know. It's, been a, it's been a long time. Philly, early season? I don't remember. Well... I'm old too, so I don't remember a lot of things. So <laughs> that might be part of it. And to to my right, I'm shaking none of your hands while I'm here. By yes, the way, I just put hand sanitizer on because I don't trust either one of you. Good. Good. I'm walking around with Purell. To my to my right is uh, Ben Standing. I'm surprised you recognize me since I'm not wearing a Beal jersey right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we, we we got. Let's choose our. All right, Mike, you're going to choose our own adventure here. All right. We can start with. Bam Adebayo wearing Bradley Beal's jersey backwards, which I'm sure Heat Twitter will have absolutely no reaction to. None. We can start with Beal's total fall off of a second half or Rui's total fall off of two consecutive games. Or we can just talk about coronavirus the entire time. I do not want to talk about coronavirus the entire time. Okay, let's start with coronavirus. That's just depressing. But we can talk about it, but not the whole time. You, you know what my thing is? There is no demographic of people more who shake hands more often and more aggressively than professional athletes, specifically NBA players who have individual handshakes with each other and who are like not just like touching palms but are like grabbing forearms and there's like there's always some kind of caressing in there. There's like a real there's a th- <laughs> there's a thorough rub. There's a thorough rub in an NBA player's handshake. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's definitely layers and hugs involved. It's, oh, never, yeah. it's never just a handshake. It's, it's – coronavirus is going to love the NBA player handshake. <laughs> I mean, like, they're, they're talking about, like, are we going to have games without fans? And, you know, I don't think we can have a game without the players doing what you're suggesting. Like, I know, like, they say, like, a, for all of us, like, don't touch your face and things like that. It's, like, impossible. It's, like, a tick. Well, that dude, that's what you're saying. Like, they did, every free throw, somebody's touching a hand. Like they like walk up to the guy. They're, not, they're, they're yeah. not stopping that. That it will be impossible. Yeah. Imagine uh, was it was it Jeff Hornacek blows a kiss before every free throw. Jason Kidd did right. Jason Kidd. Jason yeah, yeah, Kidd. Yeah. 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 Um, Jason Kidd blows a kiss before every free throw. Imagine he's not going to stop doing that. What Steve Nash used to do with the ball, like he used to like lick his fingers <laughs> and then like rub his hair and like he put every last possible germ on the ball and then shot the free throw and then he ran down and like dished out assist. With that slimy saliva hair grease ball. Are there any NBA players? <laughs> there have got to be NBA players that are like serious, serious knee freaks. Like, like total knee freaks. But I don't know if there's any germaphobes. Impossible. How could you forget even the all that? Just the ball and like you're you're you're, you're back. You're boxing guys out. Charge a block. I mean, it'd be yeah. impossible to be a germaphobe and play this game. I would think so. 
That, yeah, I think I think that a player would give another player coronavirus before a fan would. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It would be weird to do it with no fans. There are a couple of. I was talking to Bertans tonight. He was like, it just wouldn't work. They shouldn't even. They shouldn't even do it. Shabazz Napier was saying that like the reason that we play is for the fans. Like there's no reason yeah. to do it if there are no fans. Yeah, LeBron said it too. Like uh, if, they, if there are no fans, I'm not playing. And I think it would just be awful to like have to play games in a place where there's no one like there to cheer you on. Like the crowd is important one way or another. The boos or the cheers inspire you. This is where if you're an intern, you can really stand out. Like they all, all the interns are there, they just going nuts, screaming <laughs> right, super loud. You gotta start your own cheers. That you win intern of the year of that game. Or maybe they just have like fake crowd noise, like some arenas <laughs> already do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean that's just basically a Cavs game, what you're suggesting. Yeah, you know what? I, I think some sometimes I've, I remember NBA teams have like uh practices, they'll just pump in crowd fake crowd mm-hmm. noise to get the crowd the team ready for like a playoff intensity environment. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe they just pump in fake crowd noise and just have like a box, like a little cardboard cutouts filling all the seats. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's, maybe that will help. I don't know. I, when, hope, I hope it doesn't get to that. I really hope it doesn't get to that. When the Wizards played in Cleveland this year, late in the game, two, three minutes left, Wizards had a pretty handy lead. They they did, you know, the thing along the lines of like, everybody stand up and scram for the Cavaliers. and. And it just gets so loud in there. And I was like, holy crap. And it was so, so, so loud. And I look around and I was like, who is getting this intense right now? And I look around and no one was getting that intense. (laughs) I could not find one fan cheering. The arena arena was two-thirds empty. And every fan that was there was silently sitting down. I didn't even see anybody in conversation. It was like they were <laughs> just staring out onto the court, I mean, making no noise at all. It's Cleveland. I mean, this year, they, yeah, they're not going nuts. Yeah, but just pumped in. It's just so artificial. Just pumped in sound, just crowd sound. So and that's we'll, it. We'll, so you we'll, can do it. What's your best guess right now? Will there be? Will, will we get to the point you think where they actually have? They, they have to make this call and say we're not. There's no either no games or no fans of the game. Um, I think that if they may get to that point. Just as I don't want to say an overreaction, but I think that there will be a push, you know, from fears and panic, you know, especially if this thing continues to grow and we are able to, you know, um, isolate it or you know, kind of shut it down. I think that they will have to feel like they've done something. Like it won't necessarily solve it or you know, rescue anybody or save anybody, but it'll be proof that they have done something to sort of maybe you know alleviate some concerns about what just happened um but i don't know if it's going to be a solution but i but fans themselves may wind up not going to games out of fear of catching it and it may happen on its own without the league actually shutting it down but i think i don't think anybody with the league wants to feel like they didn't do everything they possibly could to protect their customers and also their players from something that could be very serious. I mean, I don't think a lot of us really understand the magnitude of it. I think a lot of us are kind of hoping that it's not that big a deal and that we can just go on with our lives. And then there's another bit of us that are just completely panicked because it's the only story that's, you know, you know, being played out on the news right now. Well, I mean, you saw what's going on in Italy, right? In Northern Italy, yeah. sick, what, 16 million people are quarantined, essentially? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, they got something else going on, but, like, we, have no, we don't you know here, obviously, this is not the coronavirus podcast, and I don't know anything, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm. It's not just the league, of course. Like state, local government officials. Yeah, they may wind up. You know, who, they, and, and then what happens if 
you know, they, they fly on private jets, so they can obviously be okay. Right. Um, but like, what about beat writers and people that have to travel? Like, sure. What restrictions will be placed, you know, by government or by, you know, <laughs> you know, media corporations and operations? Like, you know, for the athletic, you know, there are, you know, beat writers for every team. So, you know, you may not be able to travel to your team because somebody will be there to write about it if something happens. You know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, might not even be worth it to travel, depending. I mean, the NBA is talking about putting media restrictions and, yeah, and you know, locker zones. room restrictions. Like, yeah. will it be worth it to travel if, if it's just, you know, a press conference? Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of baffled by the locker room restriction thing because um, <laughs> I was surprised that there were some journalists who feel like we shouldn't have access, which is kind of insane. But I also was worried that, like, like you mentioned, you know, it's not like, you know, players. I mean, there's there's a lot of staff in the locker room outside of us. It's not like we're walking in just like coughing on people, you know. Uh, I don't know if that'll solve anything either. Um, but I, I guess the fact that there no one can really have a solution means that people are going to throw a lot of things against the wall, and a lot of people are going to be inconvenienced through it. But I guess it's better to be inconvenienced through it than. Um, Tend to get sick and you know potentially die from it. Um, I just hope that it won't reach a point where, uh, you know, they say, okay, well, the players kind of like not having the locker room open. Let's just keep it that way, you know. <laughs> Even though everybody's okay, let's just keep that as our policy. I don't think the league will get there, and I don't think you know, obviously, professional basketball writers association would accept that. But um, I just hope that this doesn't turn into something to where. We can start, you know, really limiting access to people and humans because obviously a lot of our best stories come from being able to interact with these guys and conversations that go beyond just asking them a question about the game. You know who's not a germaphobe? Bam out of bio. <laughs> not at all. Who, no. who might have been wearing Bradley Beal's sweaty jersey? Yeah, have we, have it, we confirmed it, it, if it, it looks, was? It looked pretty crisp. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, Beal wrote on it. Uh, like he's a really, this oh, is really? a real one and yeah. hungry, humble, and it looks look clean. Even just the way Bam was like, because we watched him put it on. I mean, it didn't look squishy. Yeah, it didn't it look. Yeah, it, I, I, mean, I, I think I've we're seen good. a game worn jersey and like they're pretty heavy, right? He put that on. It, it was it was crisp. Like it was a crisp jersey. Yeah. But for a second there, I did think. Yeah, like he's putting a jer- Bill's jersey on his flesh. Yeah, like. Oh, oh well, I, it was like you got closer. Like, okay, that, that doesn't look like that's a legit sweaty game worn jersey. And plus, it was written on. Yeah. And it was a white jersey too, so I figured it, you wouldn't be able to write that cleanly on a game worn white jersey. Right. I'm assuming Beal didn't have a pen with him out on the court. Or what do I know? Uh, but I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but I still that I, I think they're actually instructed to bring their own pens because other people's pens. Well, sure. Yeah. Our Jeremy. Sure. I just don't know how he would have. I, I, I guess somebody could have handed him one on the court, but I don't know how he had one. I still have never seen somebody put the jersey on game game worn or not game worn in the uh, after I've the game of, of the guy you just played. Granted, he won, but still, it was not even the guy you just played. The guy he shut down in the fourth quarter. Like it felt like if you're a hunter. And you like you know shoot the deer. You you lay that that deer's head up on the mantle. It felt like he put <laughs> Bill's jersey on. Like he put that deer's head on the mantle. Like that was that was like the fact that he did it to me. I was like, wow, that's pretty bold to like 
I, I know you said it's respect, but for me, I'd be like, man, I'd be kind of upset. Yeah, well, that's like what the hunter is always like. I'm respecting the deer. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to hang it up, and I'm going to put it on that. That's that's profound respect. Did, you know, do the hunters ever, do the hunters ever say they're recruiting the deer to come play for their team next year? Because that's, <laughs> that's all the Miami fans to think on Twitter right now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Bam, Bam might be MIP this year. He might be most improved. Oh, I would think he is. I mean, Brandon Ingram's got a good case. Brandon Ingram's really good. He's he really good. Uh, he's been phenomenal. But Bam, Bam is. I, I, MIP thing, always thing, kills me. Yeah, the thing about Bam and MIP and Brandon and MIP is that Brandon, I think, and, and Bam will say it like it's a lot more about opportunity. But no one saw Bam making this kind of ascension to all-star. Brandon Ingram was a number two pick. Like, he was – and if you saw him play last year, you know, like the second half of the season after the All-Star break, I mean, he was averaging 23 a game. You know, and then he had the, you know, the issue with the blood clot, and I think that slowed down his progress and maybe people weren't paying attention because the Lakers sucked. But he was putting up numbers. He's had, like, phenomenal games. Bam, like, shows up this year, and he's, like, the most incredible big man in the game. Like, he can – Play, he make plays for others. He rebounds. He can guard all five positions. I mean, there are times like he switched over to Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill can take just about anybody to the basket. Brad oh, couldn't get past him. He I mean, he might be the best, uh, the switchiest, or I should say, the best big man at switching in the yes. entire league. I mean, he like, is so good at that. Think about last week. He guarded Giannis and gave Giannis the worst game of his seat of the season. And then he comes back and he guards Brad, who's been on a tear. He's had, what, 21 straight games with 25 points? Until tonight. Until tonight. And missed nine shots in the fourth quarter. Now, obviously, Bam wasn't on him for all of them, but he was on him for a a good bunch of them. But you know what Bam affected with? So so part of the reason Brad's been on this hot streak, I mean, his three-point shot has been unbelievable for, like, two weeks, three weeks now, where it's just he's hitting everything. And in the first half, he was 7 for 10 from the field. He was four for six on three. He had 20 points. He was on fire again. In the second half, he goes one for 14 from the field. And what is it? One for eight from three. And part of, I think, the struggles weren't obviously he was missing more shots than he normally does. But I think it was beyond missed shots because all of those missed shots were jumpers. I mean, these were a lot of step back off the dribble, jump shots in uncomfortable spots, many of them contested. And like, yeah, Bradley Beal's a good enough player that when he's hot, he can take those shots. And especially with the way he's been playing lately, maybe out of 14, maybe he does make seven of them because he's just that on fire. But he looked like he didn't want to go near the rim because Bam was there. And when Bam was on the floor, he just didn't attack the rim. And part of the reason why Brad's been on this hot streak and it hasn't just been like, all right, he's putting up, 25 or even 28 a game, but on the streak where he's been putting up 36 <laughs> is because he's getting to the line 10 times a game and he has been attacking. He's been finishing around the rim unbelievably. Yeah, he's been dunking on dudes. Tonight? Yeah, he's been dunking on dudes and like he didn't want to go to the rim and I think that's the Bam effect. Like he is so good at that. But the other thing about Bam now is really impressive too is he found out Thomas Bryant because you couldn't guard him. Like he put his head down and said, I'm taking it to the basket. He's getting there. And if you try to stand in his way, he's going to get to the foul line. I mean, he had 12 free throws. I mean, because no one on the Wizards could stay in front of him. So he's able to keep you from getting to the basket. And then he's just ramming himself and everybody else when he has the ball in his hands. And the other thing, too, 
he had, I think he had, what, he had six assists, but he was, I don't know what the hockey assist or whatever other, you know, what do you call screen assist? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every other level of assist, he was involved in the Heat's 21 assists. I think he was responsible for probably about every basket that went in, like in some way. Like he was phenomenal. He's got a lot of Jokic in him. He does, but he's more athletic. Yeah, yeah. And he like is. he just, he, and I think he really wants to impose his will on the game, you know. Not that Jokic doesn't. Jokic just seems like he's out there just playing ball. Yeah. Bam. But I think, I think they think about the game really similarly. Like yeah, they, they yeah. approach the game extremely similarly as like playmaking centers, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a level of humility to him too because I don't, he wasn't really trying to take credit for anything. Like he was always like, you know, I, yeah, I might get the assist, but you know, you know, it's all on my teammates and everything like that. So maybe it's the fake humble, but. I think he, but I think he's genuine. I mean, one thing about this, about that Miami team is, you know, and they've been obviously a little bit kind of not that relevant the last couple of years to some degree, but they always have that, you know, team vibe about them, the gritty, the gritty vibe, no matter what part of that's obviously Spolster. A lot of that is Pat Riley and all that he can contributes. And when you're in that locker room, I was saying to somebody when I came out of the Heat locker room, you know, it used to be in the Wizards where it's Bradley Beal and other people. And in that locker room, I mean, you have, you have notable all stars, veterans all all over that room. So if you're that, if you're Bam, you can't be. I mean, unless you're just a crazy person, you can't be coming in there with a massive head, no matter what you're doing, because you've got these other guys been there, done that. On top of the Pat Riley and the Spolstra, you know, the the you know, there's no I and team kind of thing, um, and that's got to be a big uh, you know a, a big aspect of, of his of his uh, mindset. Yeah, I mean, because I think coming into the season, a lot of attention was on Jimmy Butler, you know, being the star of the team, and everybody's like giving him all the attention. I remember from the beginning, Jimmy's always been like, Bam's our best player. Bam's our guy. Now, he's always been pumping up Bam. And, uh, I mean, you can see it as the year has gone on. Like, Bam has really been carrying them in a lot of ways. I mean, not, I mean, Jimmy obviously comes in as an all-star player. You know, a guy who just sort of changes just the calculus for the team in general just because of what he does to elevate everybody else around him. But Bam has just been just incredible in the respect that – I don't think anybody saw it coming. I mean, he he had his flashes. Obviously, they had traded Hassan Whiteside because they thought he was capable of giving them more. Um, but I think the one thing that struck out for me this for him this year is that I always saw him as that high energy guy comes off the bench, change of pace, gets you a couple of dunks, and then you're like, okay, good, we go on a nice run. Like now, he's a guy like he does that and <laughs> he makes plays. And he gets to the basket, and he shuts down the opposing team's best player. And to go from Giannis to Bill, like that is not like an easy transition, <laughs> but he's capable, and uh, he's been doing it all year. He's a franchise player. He's been great, man. I, I, I'm 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 been thoroughly impressed. Like every time I see him play, I mean, I've seen him, you know, play better. I've seen him out duel Joel Embiid. I've seen him take out Giannis, you know, and and, uh, and I. I mean, Brad's been on such a roll. Like the fact that he couldn't get anything in the second half. I mean, you gotta give, gotta give that guy credit. Uh, let's talk Rui for a couple of minutes before we wrap up. So Rui tonight, zero for seven from the field in forty minutes played. He had zero points. The first player to play forty minutes, the first wizard to play forty minutes and score zero points since anybody know? Oh boy! Oh man! Uh, I'll give you a hint. You're not going to get it. Okay. Uh, Dominic McGuire in 2009. Oh, sure. I, I wouldn't have gotten it, but sure. 
Okay, I can believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a guy. He he, he had some. Uh, there was some hope for him for ten minutes, and then it, it was. just didn't work. Just didn't quite work out. Um, and uh, not only that, he Rui went over six from the field the last game. Mm-hmm. So what is this over? Over thirteen over his last two games. Overall, at least thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, which is not good, and it doesn't do a lot for you in terms of your confidence. I mean, I think it's been a bit of a struggle the last you know couple of games. And I don't know if he can get something easy at the basket. I mean, I don't know if he was – I don't think he was really aggressive. His reads are terrible right now. Yeah. Like, they're so bad. I mean, there there was a possession where he's got the ball in the high post. And Troy Brown cuts – it should have been right in his vision. Troy Brown cuts from the corner. His defender comes off him because he's ball watching at Rui. Troy notices it. He cuts baseline. And Rui, like, it's one thing to notice him late – and it's just too late and you can't get it. He just didn't even notice him at all. And, like, that's the stuff where, like, if he is really – because if he's going to be good playing this style, he needs the ball. And if he needs the ball, he needs to be able to make those sorts of recognitions. And it's okay that he's not making them now because he's a rookie and he's got to go through stuff. But if he's never able to make those kinds of really obvious reads – promptly enough to where he can find a wide open guy cutting to the basket, then you got a problem. Um, it's no reason to overreact to it not happening during his rookie year, but like it's a thing to watch yeah, moving two, forward. Two for games back to back. I mean, I know you're a rookie and it's, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs, but you know, that's kind of concerning because you want to at least like, if you're 0 for 7, go 0 for 8. If you're 0 for 6, you know, go 0 for 7. Like, keep, stay aggressive. And I, I, I think they're there came a point where, like, a couple shots didn't go in, and he just, like, I'm, okay, I'm not here, so I'm not going to keep going. And But you want to see guys be a little over-aggressive at this stage in their career, where you want to kind of tame them a bit. You want to kind of get them to, you know, pipe down a little bit. But he's kind of take the opposite approach, where he's kind of containing himself, when I think he needs to just assert himself, like, be aggressive, attack the basket. I know free throws may not, may not be your thing, but – that may help you get a rhythm. And um, and I think if you are aggressive as he was early in the season, I think this first couple of games, you know, first month of the season, I, thought I was impressed by the fact that he was so aggressive because he attacked the basket. He got offensive rebounds. He had the putbacks. He did all the things that, you know, to have that energy. But I think that the fact that his shot isn't falling is sort of affecting his confidence. And that's, that's, that's a concern. Like if I'm a coach, I don't really care about, you know, you missing shots. I just care about those missed shots meaning that you're not in the game. To, to your point about, I mean, hopefully the, the missed shots will hopefully they'll figure it out, but to your point about the vision, I remember last year, right before the draft, um, ESPN does a really good job with their video clips, the you know, really detailed pros and cons of these guys. Um, I remember a day or two before the draft, they finally put out some ones that were beyond the top two or three guys, and they had one at Rui, and I was like, all right, you know, cool. I'm real nerd, I got nothing to do on a Friday night. Let's, let's look here. And I remember watching in the first half, you know, it's all it was the, the good stuff. The athleticism, he can make some plays. Then they got to the stuff that you worry about, and oh man, the vision stuff scared the bejesus out of me because he really did not look like a guy who had a good feel. And I've always wondered, can you develop instincts? Just in general, and I've asked this question before, and nobody ever has a good answer for that. Um, and, and the whole thing with him is, of course, that he started late. He, you know, didn't play as much ball as his other guys, so we maybe don't shouldn't view him the same way we would view as another uh, college junior. 
that was an area of, of, of concern. And, and, you know, I'm not like, going, oh, this is a disaster, but it is something that I've been trying to pick, sort of watch with him all year. And you're right. I think tonight there were a couple of points where it was, uh, what, what, what are you doing out there? But right now, it just looks like he's a little bit lost. Got to, you know, they got to figure that out. I mean, Thomas Bryant, like you said, he fouled out in 16 minutes. He had, I think, two points. He wasn't doing much either. So that combination right now, uh, maybe they got to put Mahimi back in. I'm half kidding. Don't don't yell at me, people. But um, <laughs> but 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 uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an odd one right now for them. Yeah, I will say, Thomas Bryant was asked post game if he considered putting in Mahimi against Bam, who was just killing him, and he said, and his logic was way up your alley, Ben. It was, uh, you know what, Mo and. Thomas Bryant need these minutes against really good centers. Didn't work tonight, but this is going to help him in the long term. It's a good learning experience. So, can't argue yeah, with I mean, that. It is. I mean, these guys need to take their lumps. I mean, um, if, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, they took some serious lumps. <laughs> I mean, God love against the, Bam, and he was clobbering them. God love the fans who still just desperately want to win every game and just don't see what's the, rea- the, the reality of that the Wizards team, as we said from day one, they just don't have enough. They've been pretty, you know, pretty good about being a try-hard team all year. Um, but you always have to just keep remembering. I hate to say it for the people who are, especially the ticket buying public, but this season is about next season. What do you figure out? What you have with these young guys and going forward when when John comes back, et cetera. Um, and yes, you're going to have nights where like, oh man, what could you have done something different to maybe win that game? I'll, I'm not going to give. I give Scott Brooks grief at times. I'm not going to give him grief for playing the kids. That's what they should be doing right now. It's about. It was good to put Mihimi down. He did his job. You got to let these guys go through it, and hopefully they gain confidence, not lose confidence. And um, they might need a draft pick. They might. <laughs> they might need a good pick. <laughs> not that Jan's going to change anything in that respect necessarily, but I think that uh, letting the young guys sort of figure it out is good because if they actually come out and perform and you have, and you have wins that they're performing well, then so be it. But if they struggle and you take a take an L every now and then, you know, oh, it won't I, hurt. Look, I, in I, the big picture, I, and I'm sure you've talked about it, but the schedule is about to get well. Starting like today, kind of about to get much harder. Toughest remaining schedule in the league the rest of the way. Five seventy three opponents winning percentage. Yes. And so that might be for some rough nights, but in the big picture, it's a good thing because if they do lose more games, this I mean, we the lottery is weird now, but like. This season is a plus if they end up with a top five pick. Yeah. They end up with a 12th pick. I mean, you know, we ne- you never know how the draft unfolds, but that is not ideal relative to where they are realistically. Again, not, we're not talking about tanking or any of that stuff. Just saying the reality of the situation. But this season is about development. The season is about everything other than winning, you know, and that's, I mean, winning is something that they did great, but it's not the expectation and it's not really the desired outcome, you know. Especially while John's not here. I mean, a lot of teams in the league are having sort of gap years with star players being hurt and just trying to make it through the year to keep everybody else healthy so that you can build towards something. I think for the Wizards, uh, losing games is not as important as, like, like you don't want to lose guys. Like, you don't want to lose Rui. Like, you want to make sure he continues to build and keep growing. You want to make sure like, – like, you really would like to see Thomas Bryant – sort of looked like the player he was last year in some a lot more often than he has this year. I mean, obviously injuries has played a role and probably other things. But um but I, I just think overall you just you wanna lose with the guys you want to see going forward. Jan's not a part of the future in any way, you know. 
and he wasn't really part of the president. So <laughs> uh, I think you just lose lose with the guys who you think are going to be part of your future. Yeah, one of the things with Thomas Bryan is that he's just he's not really in good enough shape right now. Yeah. And I know that's a concern within the organization that he's not in good enough shape. I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that like he had a stress fracture in his right foot, yeah. and it's it's really hard, like. It's hard to stay in shape when you have any sort of leg or foot or ankle injury because you can't run, you can't yeah. can't do anything. You can maybe do you know curls and but you're not you're not running. You're Most not on the elliptical. Are never good. Exactly, and like also with like a big man, like people do not realize how much NBA players eat. It's crazy, yeah. but they're so active that they end up being okay. And when you're seven feet. You eat so much. And, like, when you end up being – like, when you end up just not moving for even two weeks, guys, NBA players can gain and lose weight really quick. And uh, I know him being a little bit out of shape has, has been a concern with the team, and that's contributed to the fact that he's been on a minutes limit. Like, he's still on a 20-minute minutes limit, and it's been a while. Yeah. It's a long time to be on a minutes limit. And with Wagner, he's still on a minutes limit too. Like, he came back February 3rd. It's been a long time. It's a long time to still be on a minutes limit. And I get it. They're, they're probably just trying to be cautious. They know the season's, you know, is just like just get through it healthy, give them enough minutes so they can develop, and you're fine. They're probably being cautious. That's probably a good thing that they're they're taking that route as opposed to the opposite one. Um, about but it's what, notable. What's his, what's Brian's minutes limit? Twenty. About twenty. He yeah. couldn't even get there because he fouled out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is that is really saying something. Yeah. Uh, quick, very quickly before we go, we did a, a piece at the beginning of the year where the three of us and David Aldridge all projected the upcoming schedule, and we all put out our picks for what our our, our win prediction total. was. So what, Mike, what was yours? <laughs> I believe it wound up being 27. Okay, and Ben, what was yours? I was going to guess 27 too, but if you told me I flipped it to 25 at the end, I wouldn't have been surprised. I, okay. think, I think that uh, – I, I, think, I think it wound up being in print 27, but I requested that they moved it to 22. <laughs> I had twenty two, so I'm I'm but already now, wrong. Like I think it's permanently in there at twenty seven. So I feel all right today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the, the Vegas over under in the preseason ended at twenty seven. I I had twenty two. There are twenty three wins now. So I'm I've already lost. I'm done. There was there was something that either they signed somebody or they said somebody was going to start, and I was like, oh please make that twenty two. <laughs> oh, you know what it was? I remember what it was. They had Thomas Bryant on their on their promos at the beginning That's of the year. Right. And the, the promo had Thomas Bryant, like buy Wizards tickets, and they had Thomas Bryant. I said, no, this this is not a 27-win team. This is a 22-win team if they have to promote Thomas Bryant as their main guy. Well, they got to win 19 in a row to finish over 500 to end the year. So we'll see. I think, I think that is not going to happen. Uh, anything to plug, either of you guys, before we wrap up? Uh, Well, I was able to talk to Bam after the game, so I'm hoping I can put something together on him. And uh, I will write something about the uh, Kenny Atkinson situation in Brooklyn and about the culture and how difficult it is to maintain a culture when you add superstar players. Kenny Atkinson never lost a game with uh, KD? No. (laughs) He didn't win many with Kyrie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That is it for today. If you are just listening to this and you are not a subscriber to Wizards After Dark, you can go on iTunes. You can subscribe to Wizards After Dark. You can leave a review. You can leave 
give us five stars. Um, you can, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you just listen to the podcast and you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can do it and I can get you a 40% off discount on an annual subscription if you want it. And I, you can just share this to with your friends. I got the major hookup. And, and, and you can share it with your friends too. It's Just go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark and you can get 40% off on an annual subscription to The Athletic. And that's not just obviously Wizards After Dark stuff or Wizards stuff. That's literally everything on The Athletic. It's a normal subscription. It comes out to about $36 for the entire year on the annual subscription, about $3 a month. So uh, I, I think it's a great deal. We have amazing stuff up there. Uh, and I think it's completely worth three dollars a month uh if you want to do that again that's the athletic.com slash wizards after dark for 40 percent off on an annual subscription i will be back on tuesday night recording after the wizards knicks game with uh i got mike vorkanoff lined up and that's gonna go up on wednesday morning i will talk to you guys then